0: Right, great. So we're finally unmuted and got the recording, so that's great. Again, John, just want to add my comments to and thanks to Alan's for that beautiful flow of songs that you put together. Goodness me, that's just the leading of the Holy Spirit and profoundly moving and uplifting. Thank you so much. And God glorifying. Praise the Lord. How awesome. How awesome indeed it is that before there was anything, God chose us. Isn't that amazing what Alan said just then? Yeah. And that's like the first line of one of those songs there. He didn't want heaven without us. We think about these things and you just can't get your mind around it. But God loves us. Look at these pictures of the earth and all the from outer space. And you think all the millions, billions, in fact, of people on the face of the earth. Yet God knows each one of us. So intimately, not even the hair of our head is numbered. Uh, Not every hair of our head is numbered. And not even a sparrow falls to the ground, the scripture says. The Lord Jesus said, not even a sparrow falls to the ground without the father knowing about it. Total care, total knowledge total awareness, total love surrounding us, drawing us. I'm sure that you, like me, ponder, look back on the way that we came to know the Lord and you see the the amazing patience and the drawing power of the Holy Spirit as he drew us to himself until that moment we realized that Jesus was our savior and what And we open our hearts and lives to him. Praise the Lord. Just what an amazing God that we worship. And um, nothing can change him. I just love that's part of my theme this morning. The fact that God is unchangeably said, I am the Lord. I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. So God doesn't and Jesus himself, the eternal son of the eternal God picks up the same theme when it says uh, in the scripture of him that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How I love that reality. So praise the Lord. And uh, let me just pray just for a moment. Father, we just want to thank you for our gathering together this morning, Lord. We love to be able to meet together and this is not quite the same, but it's still great, because you are with us. And Lord, we're joined together by your spirit in our hearts. You, the eternal God, who brought us out of darkness and into your marvellous light, where we may proclaim your goodness and your love. Oh, Father, so we just worship you this morning together. We pray that you will speak to us through your word. Cause me to be able to speak your words this morning. Cause your word to enter into our hearts and lives and quicken us, encourage us, bless us, strengthen us, heal us, and fill us with your joy. Father, we give you thanks in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I really wanted to continue back. Um, I'm going to be looking in Revelation again this morning, again at that church at Ephesus. You know that um, Revelation is one of the two books that uh, the devil just does not want you to read. He doesn't want you to read Genesis, which reveals the tragic the tragic, the tragic, things that he brought upon the earth through his deception of Adam and Eve. And he doesn't want us to read Revelation because Revelation reveals his end that he's going to end up in the lake of fire. And uh, so, and, and Revelation itself is an, is an amazing and in a sense, unique book. I mean, one sense, they're all unique, but this is particularly unique uh, for reasons whereby it's the only book in the Bible where a blessing is, um, is assured and promised to everyone who reads this book And everyone who listens to it. And there's a curse at the end also for everyone or anyone who takes away anything from this book, from what's written in that book, or adds to it. And part of that is the fact that this, in many ways, is God's, the Father's own revelation to the Son, to Jesus of the end times, and that reveals to us the fact that no matter what is going on in the earth, Revelation gives us a peek behind the scenes, where we see that God is in control, and um, it's his earth, we're his people, he's working out his plans, and the end of it all will be glorious, and of course we know he wins, and we win with him, so praise the Lord, so it's an amazing, it's an amazing book, And um, last time I spoke, when I spoke a couple of weeks ago, we looked back and reflected on the tremendous upheavals that have impacted our country over the last couple of years. There's been no aspect of our national life, secular or spiritual, that has escaped the combined impact of the pandemic and Brexit, the economy, health, services, social interaction, family contacts church fellowship meetings etc etc there's been a lot of shaking going on a lot of testing of things that we've taken for granted the bible speaks of such things in hebrews in chapter 12 where it says that there is a shaking going to happen and not just the only one where there's a removal of things that can be shaken that's created things so that what cannot be shaken may remain that's important for us to focus on what cannot be shaken and that beautiful song the blood applied points us right to the things that cannot be shaken god cannot be shaken jesus cannot be shaken the work of the cross and the triumph of the cross cannot be shaken his forgiveness of us cannot be shaken he's given us his oath that we're forgiven sins past present and future we're forgiven we're a forgiven people and we're made to be a holy priesthood um, to worship him. We're priests and kings to our God. And as we embrace these things and fix our eyes on Jesus, we become unshakable ourselves uh, in a very real sense. When Jesus gave his parables, um, he said at the end of them in uh, Matthew 7, he says that, If you hear my words and put them into the practice, you'll build, you will be like the man who built his house upon the rock. What is that rock? It's the rock of his word and it's the rock of who he is. So, brothers and sisters, that's where to focus our minds and our hearts. No matter what is going on in the world or in our lives, we go back to Jesus. We go back to his word. We go back to his promises, which cannot be removed or shaken or changed praise the lord what an awesome confidence that is in psalm psalm 119 the psalmist says your promises renewed my life your promise renews my life and then as we ponder upon his precious words which have been in some of these beautiful songs we've sung this morning we get renewed we get refreshed We get just built up again. That's the power of God and the power of God's word, the power of his spirit. So it says we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us therefore be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Thankfulness is such a key. When you feel yourself being shaken, find things in your life that you can give thanks for. In everything, give thanks. That is such a key. Praise the Lord. Count the old, old song, isn't it? Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. So we looked also last time we spoke at the importance of foundations, and in foundations are tremendously important because they determine the size and the weight and the height of whatever is going to be built upon it. And, you know, Paul, when he wrote to the church at Corinth, he said, I, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation for you. And the only foundation that can be laid is Christ. And I laid Christ as the foundation of your life and your church together. Brothers and sisters, let's be those who focus on Jesus the only foundation that will last, the only foundation that is any good is Jesus Christ. Amen. I love this. Um, and that, and that, the importance of this, what it means to us is this, that nobody could re- truly be a Christian or call themselves a Christian, which is not a matter of just being good and doing good works. It's a matter of having an encounter with the living Christ. The apostles, of course, all had a physical, and those who are in that upper room, they had and saw him, over 500 saw him after his resurrection from the dead. They saw him physically, but we may not see him physically, some do, um, in special dispensations, but we have an encounter with Jesus that is totally life-changing, N- no receiving him, it says those who received him, um, he gave to those who received him, he gave the power to become sons, children, daughters, children of God, which is what we are. It's receiving him and having that encounter with him that makes enormous changes in our lives. And last time I spoke, I gave you a couple of personal stories, not personal to me, but personal to other people. Um, that uh, illustrated that fact. And I just recently came across something that Derek Prince wrote when he looking back on his life and, re, and remembering that time when he met the Lord. He said this, Tremendous changes immediately took place in my life as a result of meeting Jesus. I have never been able to doubt since that time that Jesus is alive. I might be tempted to disobey him or be disloyal to him, but I absolutely cannot doubt that Jesus is alive. From that moment until now, this has been the most important single fact in my life, that Jesus of Nazareth, the one who hung on a cross, was buried in a stone tomb and rose from the dead, is alive. And I know him every hour. I am conscious of his presence. Living our lives in the awareness of Jesus' presence is what makes everything different. In every storm and trial, we know the risen Lord is with us. Praise the Lord. I can say that by by his grace, I can say that for myself. It is his presence and knowing him and love for him and knowing his love for me that makes... All the difference to me and to each one of our lives. Praise the Lord! What an amazing God uh, we have and serve. And so, not only is the importance of foundations because you haven't got that foundation in your life, where do you turn? I remember it was when I was going through a really when Jill and I were going through a really tough time. Been through a number of them over the years. But nothing wrong with our marriage, just circumstances around. But going around, um, I was um, really encouraged when I came across that scripture where a number of people found the teaching of Jesus too difficult to take and huge numbers of them left him and went away. And the Lord turned to the twelve and he said to them, are you also going to go away? And um, Peter, so often the spokesman, he stepped forward and he said, Lord, to whom can we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And that's the reality. There is no one else to turn to or to go to. He alone has the words of eternal life. I just got to mention every other religious leader or idol or whatever, is dead and gone and buried. Maybe they've got a name on their tomb. But praise the Lord, our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, only has an empty tomb to point back to. He's alive and with us forever. And what's more, is coming again. Amen. So just to touch upon that fact, the importance of foundations. And secondly, and this is what I really want to emphasise this week in a special way, is the foundation... Of love, and, um, uh, and once again I refer to this, the words of the Lord, the risen Lord, to and um, the church at Ephesus in, in Revelation chapter two and verses one to seven. Now, there's, the number seven figures tremendously in the book of Revelation. In fact, it almost is the found that it's the foundation of the work of God. If you include words like sevenfold um, and the seven, there's over 860 references to seven um, in the scriptures. in the book of Revelation alone, it's 54 times the um, number seven is mentioned. There are seven churches, seven angels to the seven churches seven seals, seven trumpets, seven thunders, seven last plagues. And um, number seven, and it goes on and on, and number seven speaks of completion and perfection. And in these seven churches that um, the Lord sends messages to, you have a picture of every kind of church imaginable um, in every age and in every place. It's a complete picture, and it's a complete, picture of both plus points and weaknesses and we can look at it and it's, it's it's written down here not that we might look at other churches and say well I can see this uh, in one of these churches in Revelation no they're here because it's a personal message to us we need to look at us and say how do we measure up amongst um, the pictures of these churches with their weaknesses and strengths Knowing that the Lord knows all. It's he who walks amongst the churches. That's an amazing revelation itself. When we come to worship, he's walking amongst us. His angels are with us. This is profound. And this is a revelation that the Father gives. He wants us to know this. We're not just a small group of people in a place in Bacton or wherever we gather or on a Zoom meeting, the the angels are with us. God is with us. The Lord Jesus walks amongst us. Praise the Lord. That does bring a sense of awe and something, almost a sense of the fear of God as well as the love of God. And um, so what is significant then about Ephesus and its placing here? Well, in just starting off, just um, uh, some words about this, I want to say that there is a significance in the Scripture of the order of words and the order of statements. And they always mean that the Scripture is written, every word is written uh, and is produced by the Father. they spirit-given, they spirit-breathed. The Scripture says that itself. So just note the significance, even a couple of things here that i give as an illustration of what I'm saying here. The order of the way things are mentioned in the scripture is important. In Romans 14, 17, verse 17, we find this statement. Paul says the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. In other words, it's not a matter of rules and regulations. But it's righteousness, peace and joy. In the Holy Spirit. Now the flow of those words is incredibly important and real. Because the kingdom of God. That's the rule of God. And the presence of God. The kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness first of all. It's a matter of us being right with God. Being made right with God. And and that righteousness is a gift. You can't earn it. You can't work at it. You can just receive it. It says through the abundance of grace, Romans 5, 7, it's through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we reign in life. Praise the Lord. So righteousness comes through being made right with God through receiving Jesus and believing that he is the son of God, and that he's raised from the dead. Amen. Confessing that. Righteousness comes up. What follows righteousness? When when you've been really made righteous and you know that you are right with God, not because of your own works, but because of what Jesus did for you, that releases a tremendous peace into your life. To know that you are right with God, you're reconciled with him. You're at harmony with your with God, with the God of all the earth, the maker and sustainer of everything, to be at one with him. So you've got righteousness and peace. And what follows that? Joy. Because when you realize this, joy begins to flood your heart. You didn't bring this about. You just received it. You couldn't make it yourself. You just receive it. So what was made for you and given to you cannot be taken away from you. And all of this is in the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord, who makes everything real. The Lord Jesus said the Holy Spirit will come and he will lead you into all truth. Or another word for truth is reality. He'll lead you into all reality. I want reality, don't you? I want reality in my life. I want to know that God is real. His word is real. And that's what the Holy Spirit comes to give us, that witness in our hearts. So important. when When we receive Jesus as Lord, we receive also the Holy Spirit. There's another level as well, of course, and that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is another thing. Talk about another day. But you see the significance of the order, righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And then you look at Galatians 5.22, where Paul writes, the fruit of the Spirit is what what comes first, love, then joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Someone has said that love and self-control are like the two are like two bookends on a bookshelf holding all the others in place. Love starts first because God is love. Hallelujah. And at the end, there's self-control that we all have to um, use and manage. And they keep everything in place. But notice it's love that comes first. And that love gives us joy. There's nothing more joyful than to know that you're loved, there. And to know that God loves you, to know that my wife loves me, gives me great joy. I sometimes wonder why. I mean, why she does, not not why it gives me joy. But um, it's a wonderful thing to be loved. And the most wonderful thing in all the earth is to be loved by the God of love. Amen. And his son, Jesus. So there's an order. So what's significant about Ephesus? Well, first of all, I want to give you two things. One is the fact that it's the first of the seven churches. And part of the significance of that is the name of it. It says here, to the angels of the church in Ephesus write. Ephesus means, the meaning of the word Ephesus is desirable or darling. The most incredible thing about this is that right at the beginning of these seven churches that God is writing to, He picks out Ephesus because He wants us to know that this church, like all His churches, is His darling. It's he, highly desirable to Him. I want to stress this to us all God. Is passionately in love with his church. And who makes up his church? Um, um, our dog's just getting encouraged with the wording and climbing up. So he's, um, we the Lord wants us to know that he loves his church. And you and I are part of the church. And the moment we receive Jesus, we enter into this relationship with God. We become part of his church. Church means, is in the Greek word, it's ecclesia, the called out ones. He calls us out from the world to be a special people. And he loves us. And this is the first thing. That comes this is the first significant thing i want just to stress to you again and again again this morning as the lord has laid it so heavily on my heart that he loves his church he loves backton he loves every church every place where his people meet he loves his people he loves us we might be small but he loves us and we are totally precious in his sight. That itself spills over to another thing. If we're born of God, and if God so loves his church, then what's our attitude towards our church? The Lord calls us to love one another. How can John goes on somewhere to say, how can you say you love God if you don't love your brother? So, we're to love one another. When we think of one another, let's think good things of one another. Let's not enter into any, let's not allow criticism or any gossiping or whatever, anything that's of a negative nature. You know, God wants us to speak good things, think good things, pray good things, release blessing to one another, and to love one another. Because when you love one another, You're loving the very apple of his eye. He says, you are like the apple of my eye. Speaking of his people and his church. So if you don't get anything else other than what I'm saying this morning, please remember this and reflect upon this. That God, the Father, who is love himself, loves you, loves his church and loves every member of it. That no wonder joy in the fruit of the spirit comes after love, because when you reflect upon that, it gives great joy and great peace. Amen. You know, Paul had this. Um, let me just uh, uh, remember, he loves us, and one of the outworkings is he's preparing us to be his bride. We're gonna. We've been brought into a marriage relationship with the lord jesus our heavenly bridegroom when paul's writing to Romans in chapter 7 verse 4 he says you've died to the law to all that keeping keeping rules and regulations and trying to work it out and trying to be good which nobody is able to fully do you've died to all that that you might be married to another even jesus so this is how God sees us. He's been brought us in, into this state of being betrothed to his son, the hev- our heavenly bridegroom. John, later on in Revelation, he sees this, in John, uh, and he writes about it in chapter 21. Um, he says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, Praise the Lord. He saw this holy city, that's people coming down out of heaven, beautifully dressed, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. That's us, brothers and sisters. What an amazing thing. Paul had this future in mind when he wrote to the church in Corinth elsewhere. He said, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband. Who did he make that promise to? He promised the Father. He was here doing the Father's work. And he was drawing through the messages that he gave and the preaching of Christ. And the foundation of Christ that he laid in the people's hearts. He was preparing them to be the betrothed bride of the Lord Jesus himself. He says, I promised you to one husband, to Christ so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. He says, but I'm afraid that your mind may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So what's the Lord looking for? He's looking for our pure and sincere devotion to the Lord and our love for him. You know, he loves us so much, you find this coming up so much through the scriptures. In Isaiah 49:16, the Lord cries out, your name is forever written on the palm of my hands. That's where you are. On top of that, your name is also written in the Lamb's Book of Life in heaven. Do you know that? It's an amazing thing to reflect upon. Elsewhere in Hosea, when the people of God were being adulterous and going off after other issues and other things in life, the Lord cries out concerning them in Isaiah 12. He says, how can I give you up? How can I hand you over? How can I perform my anger against what you're doing? For I am God and not a man, the Holy One among you. God is jealous for you. In fact, James picks it up in his letter and he says, God jealously longs for the spirit he made to live in in us. These statements, I brought them out just to show you how much God loves his people and his church. And of course, um, uh, it's revealed Even um, in that beautiful statement in John 3.16, where the Amplified really opens this up when it says this, for God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave up his only begotten son, so that whoever believes in, trusts, clings to, relies on him shall not perish, come to destruction, be lost, but have eternal life. That's one of the ways we have to ask ourselves, how can we we stir up our love for God? Well, one of the things is to reflect upon the gift. Paul calls it his unspeakable gift that he gave us, the gift of his only son. Hallelujah. Now, this church that Paul is writing to, sorry, that the, that the Lord is writing to, he's given this message to John. He says, let's just read this. From him. He says, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand. The seven stars are the seven angels of the churches or their messengers. And he walks among the seven golden lampstands. That's amongst us. I know your deeds, he says, your hard work and your perseverance. I know you cannot tolerate wicked men. I know that you've tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not. And have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. These are just awesome things. I just want, there's so much one can say, and time is rushing away from me. But I just want to say this. To love the Lord with all your heart and soul and strength. To love him is, in the Lord's eyes, to live and in, in a very high place. God is love. It's the height to love him. Praise the Lord. Let's just look into our own hearts and say, Lord, do I love you with all I've got? Please help me too. You know, I think if you realise that you don't, You need to recover it. We all need to recover it. And one of the ways to recover it is to ask the Lord to do it in us. Lord, I know you love me. I want to love you with the same love that you love me. May he do that in us. May we reflect a lot upon this. May the Holy Spirit lead us. Because for those who respond to this, there's wonderful, wonderful, promises which we mentioned last week to those who hear what the spirit is saying to the churches for him who overcomes i'll give the right to eat from the tree of life which is the paradise of god to eat from the very garden of god to be in the very presence of god to know his presence so really and so powerfully in your lives brothers and sisters you know it says in 1 Corinthians 13, that love never fails. Praise the Lord. This is the ultimate foundation. God is love. He loves us. We love him. When we live like that, we are going to, I want to say it again, we are going to flourish as a church. We will flourish together. We will flourish individually. We will be full of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, all these wonderful things, they all flow in the flow of love. May May God enable us to embrace his love for us, which becomes such a stability and a rock in our lives, to know that whatever's going on, we are loved. And we're part of a church that is loved. Hallelujah. So much more to say, but time whizzes by. May God bless you. I want to pray, Father, please release through these inadequate words that I've tried to express this morning. Release, I pray, Lord, such a desire to know your love in each one of our hearts and to love you with all that we have, because you're worthy of it all, Lord. And we thank you for that day when there's going to be such a consummation of this. Lord, and when you're at that great marriage feast of the Lamb, and when joy and love abound. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. We give you praise this morning. I bless my brothers and sisters in your wonderful name. Amen.